The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Jurassic World, where we'll discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this fantastic movie. Joining me today on the panel are Father Michael Gossett. Hi, Father Michael. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Thomas Sanherho. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Dom. It's good to be back. Yes. Uh, before we get into it, I want to mention, folks, if you can, please go to Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. And write a review of Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. We greatly appreciate it. That gooses the algorithm, helps show the podcast to other people who might be interested in the sorts of podcasts that you like. So we, we really do appreciate it. And if you could share the podcast with friends who would be interested in that sort of thing. Uh, Thomas, as you said, it's been a while since we've the, the three of us have been together to talk about the Jurassic Park series of movies. In fact, it's, uh, as we record this, been almost a year since we yeah. since we did. It's almost like the big break they took between the movies, right? Yeah, right. Not quite as long. Uh, Jurassic <laughs> World came out in 2015. Jurassic Park 3 was 2001. So it took him a while. In fact, it was interesting to read. I was reading up on it, uh, how they got between the Jurassic Park 3 and Jurassic World. There was a lot of passing it back and forth, different people writing stuff. But what I found interesting is, is the ideas, the basic idea of one, a fully functional dinosaur park. Two, a human who trains dinosaurs. And three, a dinosaur that escapes and eats humans, although that's not exactly original. Uh, all of those things originated with Steven Spielberg's original ideas for Jurassic Park 4. So right. uh, it, those kind of stay with it, which I, I think was a good thing, I, eventually. Um, I, think, I think we needed to see, in this movie, we needed to see a functional park that like that really needed to happen. Right. We'd seen enough of the I you know, the people who had been trying to build a park, but this is okay, they got there. And we could talk about about the plausibility or the suitability of such a thing, but uh but it to kind of place it in the time of the movie, Jurassic World takes place twenty two years after the events of Jurassic Park One. Uh so within the in the Jurassic Park world. And I think it might even in reality no yeah, it might even reality be 22 years. So it's the same, 93 yeah. to 2015. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is, by the way, the highest grossing movie of the Jurassic Park franchise. So, Interesting. Uh, they, they made more on this than even the first one, even adjusted for inflation, all that. Uh, when we talk next about Jurassic Park, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, we'll, know, we'll see why that one didn't <laughs> yeah. reach the heights. Yeah. Uh, but and we're still waiting to see there. They are. They have promised a Jurassic World three. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, so the uh, the one thing I want to say sort of in the um, in in the inter in the no, in the introduction to this is sort of lay the groundwork is the director's Colin Trevorrow, who we've that name has been bandied about, by the way, in recent years in some of the biggest franchises he was supposed to make. Rise of Skywalker at one point and was replaced by J.J. Abrams, which was interesting. And, and no one no one really talks about why. But uh, but he's used to working on big franchises, and big movies. And uh, he said that 
the in this movie, the Indominus Rex, which is the big synthetic dinosaur hybrid dinosaur that's at the center of the the craziness, is symbolic of consumer and corporate excess. And here's a quote from him. He says, The dinosaur was, quote, meant to embody humanity's worst tendencies. We're surrounded by wonder, and yet we want more, and we want it bigger, faster, louder, better. And in the world of the movie, the animal is designed based on a series of corporate focus groups, end quote. That sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with him. (laughs) So we could explore that as we go through. But first, I want to get your first, you know, your, your overall impression what do you think did you did you enjoy this movie and was where do you place it in the pantheon of the we'll, we'll leave fallen kingdom off for a second of the four movies where do you put places thomas why don't we start with you what did you think of it and where do you place it i i, I like this movie um i it's definitely better than uh jurassic park 2 uh it's uh arguably as good as jurassic park 3 but it falls short of the first one. Uh, and, and it's really because the social commentary is not subtle at all. Yeah. And it hits so hard in the first half of the movie. And then the second half of the movie just devolves into chaos. Right. And that's one of the things the first movie was so beautiful for the fact that it could keep the commentary running all through the chaos that ensues. And, and this one just doesn't. This one just kind of like goes to a a visual fest of like how much different crazy stuff can we do and tries to bring itself back at the end, but can't manage it. Right, right. Uh, The first one has Ian Malcolm to provide his commentary uh, and and kind of paired up with, not necessarily in contrast to, but paired up with um, Sam Neill's character, uh, which I'm not getting. Alan Grant, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of paired up. Not, they're not the same, but yet they pair up, and it's that that duo, their their commentary throughout. Uh, even as you have the high energy, the 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 dinosaurs chasing and eating, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, this one you have the second uh, half of this movie where it's <clears throat> running and screaming and scary dinosaurs, which is great. But mm-hmm. uh, as father, where, where do you uh, put this? How, what do you think of the movie overall, and where do you put this in the pantheon? Yeah, I, w- I would have to agree with Thomas uh, that definitely better than two. And I would say I enjoy it a lot because, like you said, it came so long after we had seen a Jurassic Park movie, and it had a lot of magic to it. I like Chris Pratt a lot. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of great moments in this. It To me, none of these other movies will ever measure up to the original. Um, right. And it... To watch, I was watching this tonight, and uh, just the it makes me think of Jaws. That in Jaws you barely see the shark, and in Jurassic Park, the original, they really take their time on revealing dinosaurs in their in their fullness. That you don't right. see the T Rex for a long time, and in this one, you get right to it pretty quick. And I would say that maybe that's just a sign of how movies have changed since the original. Um, this is very much in the world of the Avengers and, and just so many things where it's, it is a visual. It's amazing. It looks great. Um, but it doesn't have sort of that terrifying magic and slowness of right. the original. Exactly. I, I think part of it too is, is we've already seen the dinosaurs. Like it's not mm-hmm. in the first one, we'd never seen anything like that before. Like it, they had really yeah. broken new ground, but now, you know, they help, they hold back a little bit. Like we don't see the Indominus Rex for in it, in its fullness for like 20, 20 minutes i think i mean it's it's a while and you know the not as long as for the the original movie 
But one of the things that the original movie had was the wonder uh, of mm. it all. Um, the kids, every Jurassic Park movie to be good has to have a couple of kids mm-hmm. <laughs> who are precocious and cute and wonderful. And it ha- and, and they have to be in a little bit of danger, but they also have to be, you know, they have to be that sense of wonder for us. We have to mm-hmm. see the world through their eyes. Uh, this one had the kids, but I don't think there was as much wonder. And again, we can talk about that as we go. Uh, but uh, I, I, I really enjoy it. I think you're right because of when this is made, but also because it's the fourth movie, we, we, we lack a little bit of that initial awe. And I think because it's so much easier to make the amazing CGI dinosaurs that, you know, part of the reason they held back a little in the first one is because they, you know, it was, they didn't want to, you know, pull the curtain back too far and have you see the wizard behind the curtain, you know, that, that sort of thing. So I I think there was some of that, but, but this one, um, I, I really enjoy this one. I really like Chris Pratt just, just as Chris Pratt. Oh yeah. (laughs) Chris Pratt's definitely the best part of this movie. (laughs) One of the things that, that really is interesting about this movie, uh, and, and I, and you could tell me if it, if you if you feel this is the true of the other three that we saw in this movie, the human beings really don't do anything. They don't solve anything. All of the all of the true action, all of the resolution comes from dinosaurs fighting dinosaurs. Am I am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Never yeah. thought of it that way. Yeah. It's, it's true. Yeah. Well, and I, I think because one of the underlying themes that I really like that 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 gets played well is the weaponizing of biological elements. And, right. and that's, and you see that towards the end is that, okay, we, we can't solve this. Like as humans, uh, this is not going to be something that we can solve. And so what do they do? Well, they fix it by weaponizing the nature against itself or against what they had made out right. of nature. And that really, I think that was a great way to kind of wrap that theme up. And that, that is probably my favorite, um, string of things that happens in the movie so uh let's let's get into what happens in the movie a little bit and talk about uh it essentially ignores the events of jurassic park one and uh, two and three but only because that those uh, movies happened on a separate island you know this mm-hmm. is we're back to the original island of jurassic park one um and we have this dramatic beginning with the hatching of an egg you know again this uh i this this idea of the creation of dinosaurs, the recreation of dinosaurs. Uh, do do we was that an Indominus Rex that was hatching? Do you guys get a sense of that? I thought they were raptors, but I, I don't know if that was very clear. Okay, no, I, th- I think it's supposed to be them because there's the two and and they're siblings, and so we kind of uh, start with those two mm-hmm. siblings, and then uh, right. she ends up eating her sibling later, and so I think that's what we're seeing is they're hatching. That okay, yeah, just like the Velociraptor in in one. Ate its sibling, you know, killed its sibling, mm. uh, t- just like that. That was that was interesting. Uh, we, I, I did like that next shot where we have that foot boom <laughs> in the snow, and it they pull back. It turns out it's a bird foot, so that whole dinosaurs turned into birds. Uh, that was that got a laugh in the theater. I remember. Yeah, when this came out. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so we have the stereotypical. Uh, is it stereotypical? The super smart younger brother, um, almost, almost maybe a. Uh, autistic on the spectrum yeah it seems like it it definitely yeah. has some of those attributes where he's like got a lot of numbers in his head about everything and mm-hmm. um 
you know, and, and the mom, the mom seems to know it and deals with it pretty well by like pushing the numbers thing for him. But uh, yeah, he, 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 ha- he has his emotional reactions are, are younger. They feel like, I feel like his, mm. it, he has uh, the, those emotional reactions. Um, and then you have the, the sulking older brother who's a teen, you know, he just, you know, the, the, the very stereotype um, and being sent off by their parents at Christmas time on this vacation to Jurassic world uh, where their aunt runs it, which is, you know, that'd be kind of cool actually, if your aunt yeah. ran, you know, Disney world, uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> so um, a couple of interesting lines as the mom sends them off. Remember if something chases you run, ha ha. <laughs> and I'm like, who would like there's a pattern here? <laughs> yeah. Well, this all right, let's talk about the, the plausibility here. Who would ever go to Jurassic World? Like, what kind of crazy person would you have to be? Never mind go to send your kids off to Jurassic World. It just after everything that's happened, uh, the, it, just the idea the the idea that such a thing could happen. Now, I'm glad that they kind of wave a hand at that. Be, and and move on because then we wouldn't have the movies. But but yeah. uh, from a plausibility standpoint, I don't think so. <laughs> I, yeah, it's I, I, it's interesting though because I don't know. It, it, we we have all these stories of wild animals in other countries that we go and visit at the zoo all the time. Um, so I think that to some degree they they had to have been able to recover from the first uh, from the first failure. But for it to happen as quickly as it did one, because it seems like this is a well-established park that has been right. running for years, that people are kind of jaded about it because it's been on for a while. Um, although I, I question that throughout the movie, because she says that that uh, satisfaction ratings are at like 90, which is mm-hmm. you know, if 90% right. of people are happy with their experience. How are we like really trying to make a new, <laughs> right. a new, new attraction here? <laughs> right. But, but, you know, I, I, I they must have had a great PR team. And I, I would say that the other two events on the other island uh, probably never made press other than the T-Rex getting loose in San, in, Diego. Uh, in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so maybe that was good publicity. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> you know, maybe it was. Maybe like, wow, look at how amazing this. And apparently mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just running with the alternate universe theory here because it's like, well, people just need more excitement from this thing. It's Frickin' dinosaurs, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's true. It's I, I true. I do like the, that we start with the park just running. Yes. Like, yeah. We've had so much origin story again and like three times, but just to like, oh, this is what John Hammond dreamed of. And we get to just be in it, especially I, it's really like pleasant. The whole beginning mm-hmm. going through and seeing the very Disneyfication of right ridiculous idea <laughs> yeah i mean you have a hilton hotel and you have mm-hmm. a starbucks and you have right. you know like these very banal corporate things and just like it's just a vacation this is what people do uh you know and i I remember particularly things like the uh the people canoeing on the river as the yeah. as the dinosaurs are there and uh, yeah or the uh the yeah well and we'll talk about some of the other attractions that are that in when we get to them but but just just how kind of banal it is, just how kind of it is what it is, sort of, you know, that that, that people are used to it. So the, the boys, uh, they show up. Claire is their aunt and she's too busy. So we, we get this this um, personality from her that she's very business. She's very locked down. Uh, she's all about numbers. She's not really good with people, uh, especially with her nephews. And she sends her assistant to go pick them up. 
I do notice that the assistant on the monorail as they coming from the ferry is reading Ian Malcolm's book. And in fact, we see <laughs> Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum, uh, his book it is like his author photo on the back of a book several times, actually, in the movie and like one in the operations center. And so I, I find that kind of funny that, that they, they included that. That was really a nice touch. Yeah. Um, there are lots of great little throws to the to the first movie. Uh, you know, where yes. uh, I think one of one of my other favorites was in the petting zoo when one of the little girls touches the uh, the nose of the uh, of one of the small long neck dinosaurs and it gets snot all over her. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, there you go. yeah, there was that. There, yeah, there's a couple of times where it was very clearly a throwback um, to the to the original. Not just when they go into the original parks uh, center. You know, that's all been grown mm-hmm. over that, but. Uh, but I mentioned like, you know, the corporate logos, the corporatization, and it lends a certain middle class banality to it. If you, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean, it's this, it's, it's Disney world where the rides can eat you. In fact, I think that's <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's line from Jurassic mm-hmm. one. Uh, so, uh, and, and Claire, she's giving a, a tour to some uh, executives from Verizon who are thinking of sponsoring a dinosaur, you know, because we want to put our name on it. And so, you know, she says, let's face it, no one's impressed by dinosaurs anymore. I'm like, what kind of stupid world do you live in? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you see that, too. You see it with the, the older brother. He's like he's bored. And I'm mm-hmm. how how are you bored? How are you <laughs> right. bored? It doesn't right. make any sense. <laughs> well, it, and that's I mean, that is also a bit of a commentary on us, aren't we? We want our movies mm-hmm. to be bigger and mm-hmm. and we want them to be you know, new and we don't want them to, uh, to be throwbacks. I'm thinking of a particular large franchise of, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that takes place uh, long, uh, long, uh, far, far away a long time ago, but where we, you know, it's gotta be all new. We can't recycle anything. And, Oh, this is too new. And we just get so jaded about, about, about the spectacle and, and we forget the wonder of it all. And, and I think that's part of it is we're all the, our entertainment has always got to be hyped up bigger and bigger and, and, and if I could, you know, kind of bring it around to things like faith, I, I find maybe this is part of our problem with empty pews on Sunday mornings, where going to mass is not a spectacle. It, you know, mm. it's it's kind mm-hmm. of boring in some t- for in, in some cases. You know, it's you, you, the you have some guy talking at you. Sorry, father. And you have, and you have some music. That, yeah, <laughs> you have some music that you may not you know care for. And you sit in the pew and 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 I mean. For me, I mean, obviously, we the three of us understand the majesty and the wonder of what's going mm-hmm. on. But for a lot, most people, maybe they they just don't. All they see is how boring it is, and they've lost the sense of the wonder. Uh, yeah. that, that that's what I was thinking as I was watching this. I think a lot of us are we go from experience to experience, like looking for that the rush of this whole movie made me think of something like bungee jumping or skydiving, like something dangerous but controlled. Where you're like mm. I'm gonna risk my life, and even a roller coaster, it's sort of like that. That they they get bigger and bigger and faster and higher. That we want to we want to feel like we're in danger, but be in control of it. And and this is shows how that line is easily right. easily <laughs> gone over. Yes, that's true. Well, see that, and that's that's what's so interesting to me about this movie is like it, from a from a metacognitive standpoint, like when you look at it from the outside and you go, wow, this movie is a train wreck about halfway through, you know, <laughs> like it, it just, it loses all sense of control. And I, I, I want to say, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, they, they did that on purpose. Right. But it almost feels like they just lose any sense of being able to keep 
a plot pacing uh, after the Dominus Rex gets out. And it just, yeah, it just goes, wild. goes from experience <laughs> to experience from crazy yeah. moment to crazy moment. Right. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, it so fits with the commentary that I almost wonder, like you said, if that might not have been intentional, <laughs> right? But maybe not. Maybe I mean, maybe it's, maybe it, they unintentionally uh, stumbled onto into de- demonstrating that that oh, that very idea. Uh, the the other thing that we get is we, with this this hubris moment. You know, it's not enough to. I think uh, what was it? I forget who says it, but it's not enough to find more species. Now they are manipulating genetics to make them bigger, louder, more teeth. You know this the the and and as we get later on, we're told. Look, none of this isn't nature we're seeing here. This is mm-hmm. everything we see is fake. This is just, mm-hmm. you know, we're manipulating everything and and calling it. We're resurrecting the dinosaurs, but these are not the dinosaurs from sixty five million years ago. This is something new that we've created, and all and the Indominus Rex, which is nothing from the Jurassic era, uh, is is the a prime example of that. We've we've created this monster literally. Uh, to, to attack us. Um, so we have, by the way, speaking of genetics, genetics and geneticists, we have BD Wong showing up as the only guy, uh, the only actor from the original uh, coming back. Uh, he's Dr. Henry Wu in the original in Jurassic Park one, Jurassic Park. He was kind of a benign character. He seemed like mm-hmm. a nice guy in this one. He is not. <laughs> he comes across <laughs> as sinister. And in fact, yeah. I, I kind of felt like he, like his, I could see his character from Mr. Robot. Did you think you watched Mr. Robot? I haven't watched that. I need to. Yeah. Um, I won't spoil anything, but he's the bad guy in Mr. Robot. Like, he plays a bad guy and, and really well. Like He's really good in it. Uh, that comes through here. So I could see that that playing off here. So um, it becomes very interesting. Let's see. Um, one of the things I, I thought as they were going through the park was how great of a place this would be even without any dinosaurs, like yeah, the exhibits, yeah. the rides, they were all so cool. Even if you didn't have dinosaurs, like someone should build that. But <laughs> or even with animatronic dinosaurs, just with a you know, with not real dinosaurs, but that are scaled and everything right. to the right size. I would, I would definitely go to that. If yeah. I would the world t- today. Totally do that. Yeah. So uh, keeping in mind that Universal owns uh, Jurassic, not Disney. Yeah, and Disney's the one who builds these giant parks. But Universal Studios, come on, Universal, mm-hmm. you've got your your park there. Uh, anyway, uh, we we another kind of a symbolic moment for me. I, I I felt like was when Claire finally runs into her nephews and they say hello in the big central building, and there's this huge hologram that that the kids can make of you know can can sh- display of a dinosaur walking. It's very realistic. Claire walks right through it. Mm-hmm. You know, without even pausing, without even seeing it, which to me symbolizes how Claire has become blasé it, again, in mm-hmm. inured to the wonder of it all, just like the consumers that she was talking about earlier, who don't who who don't even care about the dinosaurs they have; they need bigger, better dinosaurs. Uh, so I thought that was another interesting, almost heavy-handed in on the director's yeah. part, but but still, uh, it, it's there. Um, just uh, we we also have uh, we were a return of an eccentric billionaire in this case uh, a different one uh, Simon Masrani is the owner of Jurassic I, I guess he's the chairman of Ingen now that to replace I, yeah, I think that, that seems like the position he's taken like taken over for John Hammond uh, and that's how it's been passed on to him and uh, he maintain can, it 
he comes across as very much like about the experience, about the mm-hmm. about you know, are people having fun? Are the dinosaurs happy? You know, where Claire is all about the numbers and satisfaction ratings and uh, attendance, and and she's very businessy, and he's very hey, lighten up. Um, I, I have to point to the one behind the scenes thing. The co-pilot of the helicopter, the flight, the the helicopter instructor was uh, Patrick Crowley, one of the producers of the movie. So oh, cool. <laughs> there are a number of cameos of, of people yeah, yeah. in the movie. In the in the, <laughs> that was a uh, good cameo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, we get. I, I like I like this kid. This character is an interesting one because um, yep. I have actually met people like this in my life my dad my dad works for oil and energy business and he Ah. uh, runs into a lot of these guys he's you know general manager for some of the companies that they run and um, you know as much as you might think ah there's not really people like that in the world I can promise you that there are people like that in the world and I have met a few of them (laughs) (laughs) expense spare no expense just like John Hammond said too spare no expense uh, it's all about the experience. Make yeah. sure you're doing it just the top of the line. And they make money, you know, they, mm-hmm. they make money doing it. They just, they don't, they don't take a break. They, they go for the risk and the risk ends up paying off for them a lot of the time. And right. then sometimes it doesn't, but they're willing to just get back up and, and keep running. Right. Just like this guy takes risks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that Mazrani kind of channels John Hammond in it. Like he's interested in the awe and wonder of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, I like that, uh, there seems to be that other faction of InGen represented by the military guys that like mm-hmm. they have a whole nother motive for this. But I like that he's just kind of out there pushing this as a cool thing. Right. Um, because he has the money to do it. Yes. Uh, so we get to the big the big one, the Indominus Rex, which uh, I like. I like when Owen Grady later on will will kind of joke. You'll laugh at the name like. Come on. And it, and we find out it's been focus grouped. It's the, the things mm-hmm. kids can say. And it sounds cool. Yeah. So we, we get to the Indominus Rex enclosure. Again, we get that Steven Spielberg maxim. Don't show the goods right away. Hold back. You know, of course, this one, they don't hold back as long, but they've held back a little bit. Um, they uh, it's it's bigger than he expected. It's more intelligent. Uh, it began anticipating where the food was coming from and attacked the handlers. Uh, they have we have that line, and we see where it uh, it was breaking the glass. So Masrani, they they want to open up the the attraction, but Masrani is a little cautious. He wants Owen Grady, this Navy veteran, work who's working with the Velociraptors. He wants him to sign off on it because he feels more confident than that uh, on that, and he's working in a different part of the island on you know, a different project. Um, and that's when we meet Grady, where he's working with the Velociraptors, who. More than anything, even more than the T Rex that shows up on the on the, the the posters, the Velociraptors are really Jurassic Park. The movie, in my my yeah. view, if, you, if you're gonna I, have, a, I agree. If you're gonna have a Jurassic movie, you have to have raptors. Um, and uh, he demonstrates this control over them. You know, they they respond to him, but there's still he's this clicker training him too, and he's doing it right. Like it's <laughs> it's actual clicker training. I'm like, oh, this is so great. He's, that's that's really how it works. <laughs> so just like if they were dolphins or seals, you know, uh, at, the, yeah. at, the, at the trained <laughs> seals and stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, there he's, he's respecting them. We get this. They're still wild animals. He, they're not under, completely under his control. I like that. You know, we get this idea and, and also that just how they move, we get the very much that bird-like movement from them. Mm-hmm. Um, some fans complain that why don't they have feathers? Remember, we saw in 
Jurassic mm-hmm. Three that they had these feathery because they became birds and and um, science tells us now you know that that maybe dinosaurs actually did have certain feathery uh, bits on their skin that didn't get preserved in in most fossils. And I saw someone else point out, but remember, these aren't real velociraptors. These are mm-hmm. creations in a lab. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe why they didn't have it. So I, I like that bit. Um, well, they did have to. They, they kind of explained that before they had to mix amphibian blood in with the um, right with the dinosaur blood to make or with the dinosaur genes to make it work. So I, I think that, you know, you're probably going to lose some traits doing that, which right. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then they, they gain some in the Indominus Rex, as we exactly. hear about later. Yeah. The ability to camouflage. Uh, what was the other ones? The, the oh, and the ability to mask its thermal signature. Right. Which you know, uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Super powered uh, dinosaur. So then comes Hoskins, played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Who uh, I'll watch Vincent D'Onofrio read the phone book. He is awesome. I just I, I agree one hundred percent. Everything he does is amazing. He's he's incredible. Um, and he shows up as InGen's head of security, and he's got this side project going with Dr. Wu on developing uh, the dinosaurs for use in the military. And he keeps talking about how cool would it be to drop these velociraptors into uh, Tora Bora, which was a, a, a cave complex in Afghanistan where the, the uh, um, Taliban were holed up uh, in real, in real world around that time. Uh, and so he's like, you know, I, and I, as you think about it, you're like, wow, that sounds horrific. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Uh, he, what would he happen? It perfectly captures the craziness of that idea that he is full on from the moment you see him. He says, this is a great idea and we're going to do it and uh, is not prepared for how bad it goes. Yeah. Well, and like so many of those guys, uh, he admires uh, Owen's character. He, he, he's right. just watching the awe from him is wow, we can control these animals. Look at this guy who's mm. who's so much what I would like to be controlling these animals, you know? And right. uh, that's not really what you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and he, he imagines that I can do that, like, which right. to, to bad effect later on, yeah. <laughs> uh, which which is his downfall. But yeah, the, it's this, uh, this hubris. But also mm. there's this kind of crazy glee that we see in Hoskins, even mm. as people are dying, he's watching people die but he sees it as an opportunity. This is my chance. It's mm-hmm. kind of disturbing to mm-hmm. watch, uh, even more so than di- dinosaurs just doing what they do. This is what we that they're they're eating machines. No, but Hoskins, he's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's he's evil in that sense. Um, so Brady says that Masrani's goal in, in in response to Hoskins' desire to use them for the, you know military operations. Grady says that Masrani's goal with the dinosaurs is to teach humility in the face of nature to humanity, which is an interesting idea that, uh, you know, that we think we're at the top of the food chain. And if you think about it, if dinosaurs did come back and dinosaurs did what we say, see was done in four movies, we'd have to acknowledge we're we're no longer maybe the top of the food chain uh, in, in on this planet. And that would that would maybe lead to some humility in the face of nature. So kind of interesting. Um, we get this, of course, we get a scene where Grady has to save someone falling into the Raptors cage, which, uh, which is a, a fun uh, scene, a fun moment. Um, and then we get the, the full awe of uh, Jurassic world. And we see the, the they did film all the outdoor scenes, by the way, at a closed six flags in New Orleans. I don't oh, know. 
that so makes that, sense. Okay, that main see, yeah. way, yeah, main area. They filmed uh, some of it, like especially the final fight uh, indoors in a studio. But uh, the the outdoor shots with all the extras that was at uh, Six Flags in New Orleans, and uh, I like that we have like the stuff with the dinosaurs, you know, and Grady and Claire and Hoskins interspersed with scenes of the boys having fun at the park and ditching their handler, their the uh, the assistant. Yeah. Um, and uh, the moment that the older brother. Uh, Zach finally gets into it is the Mosasaurus, the big <laughs> water gator shark thing. Um, now, did when you know it's a shark? Yes, a great white shark. Like a, they're dangling a great white over its tank, and it comes up. And that—that's the moment where you just—I like, think it puts everything in perspective. Like yes. even for us as as viewers, uh, going, "Oh yeah, this is cool. Oh yeah, this is cool. Oh, yeah, this is cool." And then the, the great white shark gets just dangled <laughs> yeah. over this cage, and then a huge maw just comes up and swallows the whole thing. I remember okay. seeing that on uh, in the you know commercials on the trailers, and like and being like that was the moment i'm like i gotta see that i yeah, gotta see yeah. that <laughs> so absolutely colin trevorrow was i remember saw him doing an interview alongside steven spielberg who's executive producer on the movie and and the interviewer asked him was that a message to steven like the, the <laughs> your dinosaur swallowing a great white shark and he's like i never thought of that no steven that was never <laughs> that was unintentional that was not me like drinking your milkshake no 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 <laughs> it was which is i thought it was funny but uh and then we uh, then we get the moment where Claire goes to Grady and we get this whole thing. This this is where the uh, romantic um, thing comes in, the, you know, this relationship that they they went on a date once and it didn't work out, which is, you know, it's. Uh, is it uh, did it add to the movie? I don't know. It kind of it, felt silly because like there there was a plot string about relationships that I think could have been handled a lot better. And and I think it just gets lost in all the action. But, um, right. you know, because you've got, you got the kids' parents are having problems. The, right. The kids are having problems. The Claire is having problems with everybody. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, and then you got um, uh, O'Grady, who seems to be the only one that actually understands relationships. And, and right. his relationships are all with dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't quite understand relationships with women, I, I think. I couldn't. It didn't didn't work out too well with him. He wasn't yeah. doing too good there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they uh, they she convinces him to come take a look at the the Indominus Rex enclosure, uh, and he's like, "I know what you're doing wrong. You you can't feed this thing from its only relationship." As he says, you know, because it's isolated, you're gonna make it crazy. You do this to animals in zoos. You, you they make some crazy. Its only relationship was with the the crane that lowers its food in. You know, uh, and so. They try to feed it, and then it doesn't show up. And like they think it got out. It it made these marks on the wall uh, to make it look like it got out. So they go inside, Grady and these two workers, to to check it out. And Claire's on her way back to operations, and they're like, "Hey, turn on the tracker, find out where it is. It got out." Like, wouldn't you know? Like, yeah. that, that thing is not it's not going to just like <laughs> lope around. But okay. Uh, and they're like, it's inside the house, in the base. You know, that the classic, you know, bad guys in the house sort yeah. of thing. Uh, which What's is with the communications in this movie, too? There's so okay. many points where things break up. And I'm just like, this is an operational park. Come right. on, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that I have to give him I have to you know, knock him for that, because that is that was just um uh, for convenience, it's a plot convenience. Oh, you know it is. is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's times where, where like the walkies aren't working, but her cell phone is. And I'm going, 
what kind of walkies are you using here that they're <laughs> failing where a cell phone is getting a signal? Right. Cause and then the, cause interference. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. That's what it is. Uh, they, they, they put out radio waves. Uh, so uh, <laughs> they, uh, they realize it's inside. Uh, one of the workers, oh, Grady and one of the workers goes running for the door. They came in. The other guy, the big guy says, I'm getting out this door. It's closer. And I don't run fast. <laughs> Uh, so he opens up the big door, the main gate, <laughs> the uh, main gate, and, uh. <laughs> and it gets out. It eats the 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 one guy. Did uh, that was kind of funny. As the guy sitting there, like on the ground, as the it knocked the car out of the way, and he's just sitting there, and it's it's right over him, and he just kind of looks at Owen with this resigned look, like, oh man, like he gets this look <laughs> on his face, jump. What are you, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, he's like, this stinks, jump. Um. And then at Masrani at this point is in the control room and they're all freaking out. We gotta we gotta kill it, we gotta, you know, evacuate the park. He's like, No, look, the existence of this park is predicated on their ability to handle incidents like this. Which <laughs> as we learn, is yeah. non existent. Um, well, he's not wrong. But but he he's he, the only situation in which he's wrong is the fact that this is not a dinosaur. Right. And and I think that's that's the important part of that statement because he's absolutely right for any other situation that would be going on in this in the park. It's it's in this particular case they're not dealing with a dinosaur, and that and that's what really makes that that weaponized string of, of, of plot work all the way along. Uh, and then we get this um, this scene of the uh, animal capture unit, this military unit whose job is. To to bring in any animal that gets out, so they they have a protocols and policies. I like the fact that we have that these ideas that they kind of demonstrate to us that they've thought through th- these things. They they have uh, protocols that fall apart that can't that that don't cover dinosaurs like the Irex. And uh, this team gets in there and they realize it can camouflage. It knew to ter- tear out its tracker and it like ate the whole team like and. Seeing that each one, their their vital signs that are being transmitted go off, boom, 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 boom. I mean, that was pretty pretty scary. Um, and then we get, uh, you know, Grady says to Claire, call off the non-lethal capture mission, go in, guns blazing, kill this thing. And she says, you're not in control here, which is ironic given that neither is she. Like, yeah. Nobody is. <laughs> Nobody's in control here. Uh, the, I think maybe the IREC, the Indominus Rex is in control here. Yeah. Um, and uh, Grady said, you know, as he walks out, he says to Mizrani, you need to have a talk to your people in the lab. That's no dinosaur. And again, mm-hmm. emphasizing this idea that this is not a dinosaur. It's a weapon. It's it's something yeah. new. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, so Mizrani confronts Dr. Wu and Dr. Wu says, hey, you can't have an animal with exaggerated predator features without the corresponding behavioral traits. In other words, you know, you want bigger teeth. You're going to get an animal that wants to bite more things. It's going to be an aggressor. Uh, I love that scene. I feel like that it's maybe you could say it's like hitting it too hard, uh, all the different themes. But like you said, in the in the first movie, Wu is such a he's like a nice guy. He's giving him the tour and he's like, look at yeah. the dinosaurs. And that could still be true, but he's doing something crazy and incredibly dangerous. And that I guess that hubris really comes through in that scene is like, this is what we do. And we're and we're gonna keep yeah. doing it. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, yeah, yeah. You've seen you've seen the the logical conclusion of becoming like God in in creating these things is that right. um, inevitably it goes too far. 
when you, when you take that step beyond and uh, start playing God in a very real way like this, you, you're going to go too far. That, yeah. That's human nature. Masrani says you've created a monster and Wong is kind of like, he's kind of taken aback. Like, uh, what are you talking about? To a canary, the, a cat is a monster. We're just used to being the cat. Like, uh, you, of course you're calling it a monster. That's because it's bigger than you. If you were more powerful than it, then you wouldn't think it's a monster. And you're like, yeah, dude. <laughs> it's scary. Um, that's something that comes up in all these movies that I think is interesting is that sometimes, like, is the dinosaur a bad guy or a good guy? And, like, uh, the T-Rex is treated as a bad guy in a lot of these movies. Then suddenly he's the good guy. Um, and the raptors the same way. I just think it's interesting. Uh, on one hand, we treat the dinosaurs like they're just doing what they do, but they kind of get characterized or humanized at different mm -hmm. points in the story. But in the end, they're just they're just animals. They're mm -hmm. just creatures mm -hmm. acting out of instinct and whatever intelligence they have. They, they're their own moral agents in a sense. Um, so uh, we have this scene of the, uh, the the boys going off in the gyrospheres, which I think I think the gyrospheres are kind of awesome. Super cool. uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure I haven't watched uh, Fallen Kingdom yet. I know I, I should have, but I haven't watched it yet. I, I when we I realized we were going to do the movie with it, I thought I'd wait. But um, you know, we do an episode on that. But uh, the gyrospheres show up in that too. But they're they're really cool. I wish we had something like that today. Like again, that's something I would drive around in a like in a jungle or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, just for fun, like without dinosaurs, that would be really cool. Uh, and with Jimmy Fallon as the host of the instructional video, yeah, that was cut. That was kind of fun. That they, you know, again, the, a big corporate thing. They they bring in the celebrities, that sort of stuff. That, right. that felt well, true. And it's, it's like writing a ride at Disney, where you go through and uh, Ellen DeGeneres does the the voiceover, or the narration <laughs> for it. And, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, uh, I liked when Claire suddenly remembered her nephews in the midst of all this, oh my like God. that dawning <laughs> moment of horror on her face. Oh, where are my, they? Uh, See, and this this uh, Claire's character bothers me so much throughout this movie because uh, I, I really feel like the corporatism is so overplayed for her. Like the numbers yeah. thing is so overplayed for her that you really miss out on a on a humanizing element to her. And, and I, you know, I, I remember the big complaint about her running around in high heels. Like that was mm -hmm. like the right. The big news item was like, oh, her running around in high heels. But there was there was some of that to it where it just like it felt like she was a trope continuously mm -hmm. yeah and and that moment could have been a really great moment where suddenly she turns on like the the mothering nature turns on when she, she wants to protect these kids but every single time you see her it seems more like she's just concerned about making sure that nothing bad happens to them because it would be horrible for her relationship with her sister right well and then and like, she didn't right? get the john hammond <laughs> moment from the first movie where he stops care like what, what is uh what is her name ellie like says to him john our loved ones are out there. Alan and the and the kids are out there. And he gets this this look at this this moment where he stops caring so much about the dinosaurs and starts caring about the people that matter to him. Right. And she doesn't quite get that moment. No. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So uh so we get this scene of the uh, the boys encountering the Indominus Rex. They get pinballed between the uh the armored dinosaurs, I'm not sure what they are, and uh yeah, and the, Kylosaur. The ankylosaurs on and Kylo, that's right that's right oh it's coming back to me from my from my <laughs> being a kid uh, although i have to i have to admit i still call them brontosauruses it'll always call them brontosauruses <laughs> Just they'll the always be brontosaurus yeah um and we get this moment where uh owen and claire encounter the dying 
brontosaurus. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and she gets this realization that this is her moment where she at least realizes that they're not just assets, as she keeps calling them, yeah. but they're living, breathing creatures. But it's also a moment where Owen realizes the Indominus Rex isn't hunting. It's killing for sport. Uh, and that's scary, especially. I, and I wonder, is that a little commentary on big game hunting by people? Maybe <laughs> I wonder. It could be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, uh, I think there's there's uh, there's a lot of times where we're 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 forced to confront the fact that this this thing is intelligent in a way that animals aren't intelligent. Right. And that's what makes us different from animals. And so they blur the lines there between it just being an animal and maybe being more than an animal. Right. We're not quite so different from it in some ways. Yes. Uh, the boys find the old Jurassic Park building I'd mentioned before. And so we get this kind of fun little moment where they're walking around. It's all overgrown. And they're walking around inside and they find the old banner that ki- that came floating down at the end yeah. of Jurassic 1. They find that. And he turns it into a torch with the, the dino bone. And yeah. uh, uh, they they find the, the Jeeps and the... <laughs> let's ramp up the implausibility factor again. They get a, 20, a Jeep that's been sitting in the jungle for 22 years running again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so one of, my, one of my kids made a good observation here, though, um, because they asked at this point, they asked, wait a minute, why is everything blue? In the park. And I said, well, it's because they're trying to differentiate themselves from the old park. Right. It, it is a really interesting point that the old park was all red and yeah. red and green. And then yep. this park is all gray and blue. And in fact, the uh, Larry in the operations center at the beginning is shows Claire his new his old vintage Jurassic Park <laughs> T-shirt. And she's like, that's in that's in poor taste. I don't wear it again. Like, don't we don't well, want to remind anyone of that <laughs> bad thing that happened. Let's we right. all pretend that there was no thing where the dinosaurs ate everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, so Hoskins proposes using the raptors to hunt the uh, Indominus Rex, but Mazrani says no. Instead, he puts this Gatling gun that they have in the uh, uh, in the uh, armory on the chopper that he flies and flies it himself, even though he's a student pilot. Who is the guy in the seat next to him? Like, why is that guy? Is he not a pilot? Like, why is uh, yeah. he? No, where where was the person who was supposed to pilot this helicopter? <laughs> right. Well, he apparently took off for of the ferry when they they called the evacuation or something. They said, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it actually like, sounds like he made it, well, that was the move to make because he'd be dead now. Um, yeah. Well, so- I, I can see I can see cutting corners here, I, and that's that's what I tried to come back to. Okay, look they they have they have this place so locked down and so secure that they started cutting corners on. The, the military grade, uh, you know, ACU, uh, right. because you didn't need it. Like, honestly, they had everything so set up, they didn't need it. And so uh, uh, come back to the fact when they, they start shooting at the thing, it's a moving target, guys. You shoot ahead of the moving target, not <laughs> where the moving, you know, and, and that bothered me so much. I'm just yes. like, come on, this guy's supposed to be military trained and this is what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's shooting behind it. <laughs> so the boys get the Jeep started uh, just before this. The boys get that Jeep started. They take off just as Grady, uh, you know, Owen and Claire show up and then they get cornered by the uh, Indominus Rex uh, and manage to escape from it um, and run back to the place while the boys have to drive a jeep a long distance i don't know we the, we, we we can we can ignore that for a moment um the indominus uh, as it's being chased by the helicopter breaks into the aviary where all the flying dinosaurs are they get out they take the chopper down in a gr- gruesome way that that was not good um and then they fly off toward the closest food source which is the park 
and where the people are. And then the boys, here's another one of those moments where we have uh, a callback to the first movie. The boys are in the Jeep. They're driving down the road. Oh, phew, we got away. And then one of them looks in the mirror and sees the dinosaur approaching and says, go, 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 go. And they downshift and, and speed off. So that, that was that was a fun recall back. Um, so I have I have two issues with these dinosaurs. Yes. Uh, and, and it bothers me. And, you know, as a person who knows dinosaurs or who, who likes reading about dinosaurs, this, this kind of stuff. Yeah, it definitely bothers you. Uh, it, one of them is the, the one with the creepy little T-Rex head. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it's so weird looking. <laughs> like, <laughs> the way it's put together, it's so weird looking. But you're just like, <laughs> what even is this thing? And then the other one is, uh, the flying dinosaurs were almost invariably uh, fish eaters, right? And, and, and that was that was their shtick is that they ate fish. So for them to like be flying through the park and even think of the people as as targets, regardless of the fact that their size is way off proportion for what these things would have been eating, right? <laughs> it's, it's just ah, they're not yeah. real dinosaurs; okay. they're okay. creations <laughs> so, uh, in the yeah. lab, right? <laughs> Exactly. Not real dinosaurs, genetically engineered. <laughs> yes, yes. We need them to be scary. <laughs> if they're eating fish, they're not scary. So uh, then we have the scene where Zara, Claire's assistant, gets killed. She gets picked up by one of these and dropped into the big mosasaur pool and then eaten by the mosasaurus. And I, I thought that was genuinely horrifying. I was Horrible. that was I don't know that that one yeah. was a, a a death maybe too far for me. I don't know. Out of all of them, I, I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. There was, there was yeah. something about that that was too much. I, I think in it, it's not just her in this movie. If you think, at least of especially the original movie, the people that died or got hurt were either being heroic or were usually bad guys that kind of had it coming to them for some reason. And this right. one is just like a buffet of innocent people. And, mm-hmm. and that, I think, particularly her, like people laughed at it in the theater. like, eh, that's. Not really. Not That's really not funny. Yeah. She's the first woman to get eaten by a dinosaur in the movies. In the series, really? Yeah, that's what yeah, I saw. Yeah, she is, isn't she? Yeah. The, all the others were, like huh. you said, like uh, some of them were handlers or people who work in the park. Some people being heroic, like clever girl from, you know, from the first movie, you know, that yeah. sort of stuff. Uh, or bad guys. Yeah, this she was the first woman. Uh, just to, as a, as a uh, kudos, the actress did all of the stunts. In that, oh, that's phenomenal! So she got they. I saw the making of. They had this thing where she came running up to the boys. The camera circles around, and as as she's out of frame, they run up and hook a harness to her. And then, as the camera comes around, that's when she's lifted up into the air by the crane, like jerked into as you saw, jerked into the air. Um, And then the whole dunking into the water thing. She did all of that. Uh, So uh, that's phenomenal. Kudos to her uh, for for doing that. So. Hoskins uh, takes over. M- Masrani is dead, and he says, uh, "We're you know." He brings in his people; they take over, and we're doing it my way. Um, the the kids now are with uh, Owen and uh, Claire. They they finally got together, and as they've kind of escaped, they they're sitting in this truck, and so and suddenly the kids go, you know, she wants them to go back to the hotel or whatever, and they're like, we, "This doesn't feel safe. Can we stay with you?" And Claire's like. Well, I'm never leaving you again as long as we, as long as you live. And they go, no, no, we want to stay with him. <laughs> we want yeah. him to stay with us because you know, Grady is is so cool. Um, and then we, uh, Grady now goes on. He's convinced by Hoskins to take the Raptors out and go on the hunt 
for the Indominus Rex. So we, then we have this scene of them going out there with the mercenary guys and he's riding the bike. That whole thing we saw in the, in the trailer, riding the bike with the, uh, with them, the uh, Velociraptors to the woods. And, uh, when they finally corner the Indominus Rex, they start talking the Raptors and the Irex. And it turns out, Oh, you know what? I bet there's Raptor DNA in that Irex and they can talk to each other. And they foreshadowed that so beautifully. This this time watching it through, I noticed that when he's laying under the car, the first time it gets out of the enclosure, it makes one of those noises. And it it just kind of does that back of the neck croak thing. And you're like, Oh, that was really subtle and really good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then you, when you see them all together and it kind of lowers its head and does the, that, that head bob thing that the Raptors do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That totally. Um, then, and so we have this scene where they turn on the, the guys and, uh, you know, Grady races off and, um, it turns out that it, we find out that Hoskins and Wu are in on it together. They were doing all this off book and, and the, uh, and then they cut it. They, there's lots of running around screaming and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and they get back to the set, the, uh, the control room and, uh, they, they find Hoskins in the secret lab. And I, I really enjoyed this part. He starts his monologue about turning the dinosaurs into weapons and how this is the right thing to do in the middle of it. Raptor shows up and eats them. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah. I gotta know. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, that is pretty great. It was, it was funny. Like the, it was kind of turns that whole, villain monologuing thing on its head mm-hmm. um so the uh then we get this they they're, they're out in the big plaza the raptors corner them and owen gets them back on his side he becomes the alpha male again um and that's when the indominus rex shows up and the raptors th- there's this moment where blue kind of turns to grady and says it kind of makes this head bob like head shake at him basically you telling the humans to run. We got mm-hmm. this. Uh, did mm-hmm. you get catch that on this? this yeah. yeah, it was very clear to me. Yeah, yeah. It really feel it feels like there's a and and this again it comes back to that kind of relationship thing where there's uh, they they really have accepted him as part of their their crew. Maybe not quite in the alpha status that he wants to say he is, but <laughs> they they definitely accept him as 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 part of their group. Right, right. And so uh, we have this big battle this the boss battle at the end here uh, <laughs> yeah. and greg's gray has this great line at one point he says we need more teeth on our side <laughs> yeah that, that was a good line because he's like counting the teeth on all the different dinosaurs and so claire decides she goes and lets the t- t-rex out and there's this really great visual uh where the she's got the flare and the door opens and the t-rex comes out of the shadows toward her and She's just standing there. I'm like, run. You don't have to stand there to make sure he's chasing you. This is going to happen. And she starts running. He's way too close to her. And he comes running out and enters the battle. And we think that the, because the, the, the Irex has, has uh, defeated the Raptors, we, so we think. Uh, and so the T-Rex gets into the battle. And then the uh, Raptors come back. They drive it to the edge of the lagoon where the Mosasaur king of the jungle <laughs> jumps up and and eats him uh get kind of and if, apparently this is something mosasaurus could do they they know that they could heave itself onto land and then pull slide back into water because they had the those flipper things um and the t-rex just walks away like the t-rex isn't interested in eating them 
because it's not it's not hungry. It's not a it's yeah. not the Irex. It doesn't hunt for sport, mm-hmm. which is interesting. That but the Mosasaur does. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Or it's always hungry. <laughs> it's always hungry. <laughs> that whole scene of her getting the T-Rex, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It just Yes. It, it captured some of the like scariness and awe of when T-Rex shows up the first time in Jurassic Park. And yeah. And I like that this is the T-Rex. It's all sort of battle scarred and old and right. Yeah, that's great. It, the T-Rex, I mean the Velociraptors are the sort of the 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 key to uh, Jurassic movie, but the T Rex is sort of the king of the jungle. You know, he's yeah. sort of mm-hmm. always the one that's there. Uh, well, I think one of the things that's interesting about this one is the um, it's clear clear skies, middle of the day, and I don't know how much that throws the effect of the horror into just kind of like a a frantic, chaotic uh, craziness. And how much of it was just the movie like kind of went overboard on itself. Uh-huh. Uh, but but that that moment happens at night and it really changes like as they're getting later in the day, it really changes the feel of the movie a mm-hmm. lot. And and again, I, I don't know if it was just, OK, now we're getting back to kind of the roots of of what the movie was about or if it's just that it's not daytime anymore. So it doesn't feel quite as weird. To right. Have all these horrible things happening. Right. Interesting. Yeah, because. Because the scariness is when it comes out of the darkness. I mean, where this is our human, you know, 20,000 years ago, the things that came out, come out of, us out of the darkness, that's the darkness is scary. And, and I think it, it also helps the filmmaking, obviously, because then they can film it on a soundstage and, and it doesn't have to look like outdoors. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's, that's very interesting. Um, so we have the family reunion at the end, you know, mom and dad are going to stay together now, obviously, you know, maybe, uh, because they the kids were almost killed and we're now we're bonded, you know it's this, it's a Spielbergian moment. <laughs> <laughs> they may or you know in reality whether that would happen or not. Um, and uh, Grady and Claire are you know where what's our next adventure? Um, obviously the next movie they they're they're going to probably start off not together because that's how they seem to do it in the Jurassic movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and we end with the T-Rex atop the helicopter platform, uh, king of all its surveys, you know, giving its roar <laughs> like it always does. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> yes. um, and then we fade to the uh, to, to music and, and credits. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it. Although there was a short film that was made by Colin Trevorrow. Between this and Fallen Kingdom, the next movie that came out in 2018, uh, did you guys get to see the Battle of Big Rock? Did you see it's, that? It's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it's ten minutes of real a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I I like Colin Trevorrow. I I really like his stuff. I enjoy um I enjoy what he does. I think that uh, I think that he's kind of suffering from where Hollywood is yeah. right now, um, and that the movies that I would like to see him make that I think he really enjoys are kind of getting pushed aside for the, the spectacle. Right. And, uh, and you see that in this movie, you see like, there's like, there's this really great undercurrent that just, it, it, it almost becomes a farce of itself. I don't know. Have you guys seen the movie adaptation? Uh, hmm. which one is that one? Uh, it was, uh, uh, Oh, it's I a, what about the screenwriter? Uh, the one about the screenwriter. Yeah. Yeah. And, I haven't and, seen it. Yeah. Okay. Great movie. You, I, I definitely recommend it. It's it's not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of really uh, sketchy, edgy stuff in it. But the movie itself 
everybody hated it in the movie theater that I went to see it in. I was laughing so hard because about midway through the movie, it just starts making fun of itself. Uh-huh. And and it's because it's this screenwriter writing a writing a writing a and and it, and it goes very meta, like it goes completely yep. sideways. And if you didn't see it go sideways, then the whole movie doesn't make sense. <laughs> but if you saw it go sideways, it's a riot. It is really really funny, and it just c- continues to unravel on itself. And I almost feel like that's what's happening with this movie. Like as soon as the Dominus gets loose, it feels like the the very tight knit stories and the everything that was building just kind of goes right and, it, and it's gone and and it's just how how many different people can we kill how bloody can it get how crazy wild what other dinosaurs can we let loose uh you know what are all the things that could possibly go wrong with this park let's make them go wrong <laughs> and and it, i you know i don't know if it reaches that level of like metacognition where it starts looking at itself and criticizing itself but you you see that it's it's definitely lost control at that point as I think, a movie. I think it becomes clear that the stars of the movie, like the humans in this movie are somewhat incidental. Mm-hmm. The, right. That the, the yeah, in fact, I think I saw Colin Trevor once say that the stars of the movie are the dinosaurs. Like, mm-hmm. like literally anything that the humans are doing, they're just in the way they're just, yeah. you know, to be there to be stepped on and occasionally munched on uh, that. The, the dinosaurs are acting on, of their own volition, doing what they will throughout this and and i think yeah i think there's a bit of a meta moment there of that's this is this franchise has sort of eaten itself it's become bigger than the humans making it Uh, and that's how movie franchises in hollywood become is they become bigger than the people who make these maybe there there might actually be something of that in there Uh, yeah so I, it's it's really it's the best way to view it, I, I, in my opinion. Like when you start looking at it from that perspective, it, it makes that that whole second half of the movie make sense. Where yeah. You're like, yeah, this is this is crazy. <laughs> this is really crazy. <laughs> so um, in the end, like one of the things I was going to mention with the Battle of Big Rock is it, it is uh, it, it. If you haven't seen it, go just go check it out on YouTube. And the, I think it's only even on the Jurassic World YouTube channel. Um, it's again a 10 minute professionally just like it's like a mini feature film uh, really well done um but it really what it it conveys is the idea that the dinos are out the dinosaurs are out in the world interacting with human beings um and again we're no longer at the we're the canary <laughs> we're not the cat mm-hmm. anymore and what does that mean and i think from what i understand this is part of what comes up in fallen kingdom maybe I'm i not- think it takes place after fallen kingdom just looking at the Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think it's the, and I haven't seen Fallen Kingdom yet either. Right. Uh, but, that makes three of us. All three oh, of us. Good. Oh, good. So we have only seen these four movies at the point. It's <laughs> interesting that that none of us have seen it, even though all of three, all three of us are fans of yeah. Jurassic Park. I, I mean, part of it is it take it. It has often taken me a long time to get to the movies to see to see a movie. You know, mm-hmm, given yeah. that I have a bunch of kids, but you know, and getting out to the movies is, is tough. But um, also, I think the initial. Uh, reviews and people talking about it made me think maybe I don't want to ruin my my uh, what I love about I, uh, it so far. I'll I'll still see it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's different. To, I think to see it in the comfort of my own home, knowing that it's done, it is what it is, and there's another movie coming that may save it, <laughs> the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. But uh, it'll be one thing. What I don't want is to do the 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 thing where. We 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 jump ahead fifty years 
It's a post-apocalyptic world. The dinosaurs rule. The cities have fallen. Humans are living in in caves, uh, hiding from dinosaurs. You know what I mean? That whole uh, Planet of the Apes sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. one. There's a really one. great. Yeah, there's sure a really great dragon movie that did that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, I, uh, Reign of Fire. That's the one. That, that's mm. the one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want that because Jurassic Park, at its root, is a movie about awe and wonder, um, mm. and and humility in the face of something greater than than us. And I think that's one of the things that that makes a great Jurassic Park movie great, and makes the lesser ones less so because they lost they lose sight of that. And uh, mm. so I, I really I'm really hoping that they they can salvage the the franchise like that but uh it's interesting that idea that it it wants to tell us be awe uh full you know be full of mm-hmm. awe full of uh you know for the for the world around us be full of wonder see the world like a child in innocence and but you know a little bit wary yeah and, respect yes mm-hmm. respect the world around us you know don't not worship it there's no sense of we worship the dinosaurs or that you know they're somehow our betters but certainly mm-hmm. respect the world around us. The respect it for the majesty that it is. It's not. It's neither mm-hmm. good nor evil. Mm-hmm. It just is. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good in the sense of its creation and it's God and it, you know who created it and it, it can it continues. But it it doesn't have a a moral component in the sense of um, you know evil dinosaurs. They're just dinosaurs. Yeah. They're just creatures. Just animals. Mm-hmm. I think, and one of the interesting things too is like the the fact that, and and, and you see it in this movie that um, science is great when it explores the simplicity of the world. Yes, and and we realize that in its simplicity, the world is very complex and very uh, dense and very wrapped up and and uh, dangerous when we start to add complexity to it that wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's one of the great things about it. Like you see in this movie that it's the dinosaurs we've lost wonder in dinosaurs how do we do that because as humans we want to say can we do something else to make it even more you know can we <laughs> make can it we better stick lasers on their head you know <laughs> <laughs> and like why <laughs> why do we need to do that yeah why do we make it cooler quote unquote yeah. I did the, the air quotes yeah all right well We'll continue to, to our walk through the Jurassic Park movies. We'll, our next one will certainly be, I don't know if it'll be the next thing we do on this podcast, but that we'll, we will talk about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom uh, uh, soon, sooner than a year, certainly. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we, will, we will do that. And uh, so it, we'd love to hear from you. And, and, and I do want to encourage you that uh, if, you, if, you wanna, if you have anything you want to say about this movie or any of the Jurassic movies, to let us know by commenting. Uh, you can comment on the show posting at sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or you can send an email to secrets at sqpn.com. I do want to stop and take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of movies and TV shows, including this time Anthony M., Andrew E., Christopher V., Natalie B., and Cesar T., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So until next time, Thomas Sanherho, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Jurassic World. It's very nice to be here. And Father Michael Gossett, thank you as well. 
Can't wait till we're back again. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on StarQuest.